I remember a class, Josh, actually I remember several classes where we had teachers that taught how they wanted to teach, not how the students actually learned. Right. They had a process and you were going to learn their process or fail out. <laughs> I mean, really, that's how it was. Yeah. If you, so, you didn't, you didn't uh, conform, you were out. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, sometimes the best lesson from those type of classes was like, how do I pass this class? Yes. How do I how do I get the bare minimum done so I don't have to how do, do this I, again? <laughs> how do I not hork the teacher off and get out of this exactly. situation? Exactly. I mean, that's true. I mean, that's sometimes that's life. Right. But what sucks about that is that th- there is a way that people learn. Correct. And I think there's a way that people can learn in a way that's meaningful to them in ways that you can kind of do a little bit better job than what we've been doing. So maybe we... Let's riff on that a little bit. Let's just like kind of talk about learning how people learn and how we think it can be better. Launch out on the loop with us as we discuss that very thing today on Curiosity Continuum. Everybody, this is Josh, and this is Brian. Welcome to the podcast for Curiosity Continuum. Curiosity Continuum is an ever-growing collection of content designed to ignite your creative talents and power up your critical thinking skills. Master your world by learning the essentials needed to thrive in this century. We share conversations that explore, examine, and reframe practical topics that help you learn something new and apply what you already know in a new way in this constantly changing world. And be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app to receive notifications of new content. If you like what you hear and want to dive deeper, be sure to sign up for our our newsletter, social medias, things, by visiting us at www.curiositycontinuum.com. Thanks for tuning in, and let's start the conversation. All right, Brian, so... I'm going to jump in here before Brian has a chance to say something, which is very rare. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, yeah. So this is where Brian's learning something today. But no, um, (laughs) let's talk about that a little bit, though. Let's talk about how people learn, how people transfer knowledge, how things happen. Because throughout the years, it's changed, right? We started off really transferring our knowledge through like stories and like by rote, right? Like you would do it, show somebody, correct, Brian? Yes. Yep. I mean, that was like the way I think for most of human existence, that's what we did. I know how to fish. I'm going to show you how to fish and then you're going to be able to catch fish, right? Mm-hmm. With that, I think it's important to understand that people are kind of geared. A lot of people are geared towards that kind of like learning, right? That visual style of learning and that kind of I show you and then you do it learning. Yeah, and, humans yeah. humans in motion are, they learn things. They do. And I mean, I've noticed that about myself, that I am more apt to pick up something and do it if somebody shows me how to do it, not just tells yep. me. Even though I'm good at the telling part. Like, I think you and I both excelled in the kind of school learning, which is kind of the newer type of learning. Yeah. Right? I think because some of it was, was how we learned, because there's a lot of boys, especially that are elementary age, where they don't get a chance to wiggle and move, and right. it's detrimental. They're like, well, all these boys have attention problems. It's like, well, no, they actually <laughs> are... Well, they're boys, first of all. But then the other thing, though, is that like the way they're wired may not be suited for that environment. So Right. They may be are more they, visual kind of learners or... Yeah. More it's, hands it's on. Like, yeah. It's not that they're bad students, or it's not that they're you know bad misbehaving. People. Right. Yeah. 
They just don't learn that way. And so it's really, really difficult. If everything against your nature is fighting this way that's trying to come across, it doesn't mean they can't get the information. It's just not in a way that they're readily tuned for. Right. And I mean, this is kind of a hot take type of thing, but people learn differently. Men and women, boys and girls learn differently. It's not like putting people in a box, but it is just the thing that people, how they learn and how they transfer knowledge and how they communicate are different. You're, you're really the, like Brian's has said before, you're like the sum of like the three people that you spent. Is that right? Right. Uh, average people? of the five people, you spend five time people with. that you spend the most time with. That's pretty true. Like, think about you growing up. You were like your mom, your dad. If you had a family with had two parents in it, you were like your mom, your dad. And then you were maybe your grandparents, maybe your best friend, you know? Mm -hmm. And that changes throughout your life, and it actually adjusts. And I think that as a person, you grow like that. Like, you totally change. from the. I mean, I'm not the same person I was at five that I am at, you know, 43 now or 42 now. And I think that's important to understand that as you go through the the journey of life from the beginning to the end, you're going to change many times in between, and that's okay. Yes, you pick up you pick up on different needs that you have, and so that Josh and I have the the great privilege to be lifelong friends, and that that list gets shorter and shorter probably as time goes by. Right? Sure, those those things that you started in your life early, I'm grateful for all those friends. Right that are still there. And sometimes you have friends for a season. Yeah. It's like the relationship. Okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's yeah. not like it, it was terrible and you just had to cut it off. It just, it, you both had that benefit for a period of time and you move. And I, that's something that you need to be aware of. Some people hang on to the relational piece of it, piece of it too long when it, it's not there anymore, you know, and it's, um, you got to know what you need to commit to and what you don't need to commit to. And that type of thing. But when we talk about, I want to loop it back to where yeah. Josh was even talking, where human beings really learn by doing it, and they were, they they were individual, individually taught. Right. You know, when we started to gather all the all the students together, all the knowledge and, together, yeah, like like yeah, all the people that want knowledge, and then all the people that were disseminating the knowledge. That really changed yes. something. That changed. That was colleges. That was schools. That was. That was different. We have to look at what the intent of what the school system was for. Was it to make everybody different or was it to make everybody the same or similar enough right. to be able to fill jobs and factories and do things? Look, it served its purpose for a time, but we're living in an age where that's not the case anymore. And there's definitely way more options from technology and other things making it available where it doesn't have to be that way. And oftentimes still, though, people are being taught the way that teachers want to teach. Mm -hmm. Now, the teachers with have gifted a certain way to do it. Please teach. I want to ask you to change how you teach per se, but we're saying that not every student's going to do that. Oh my gosh. How many, how many, um, t like college professors I have that were there because they had a doctorate or something and they were doing some research project and they had and to, teach a class. to teach a class. Yep. For their yeah. funding. And for their, their gift is not teaching. They just, yeah, I had, yeah. I had a, uh, mathematics, a high level mathematics professor. First of all, he was from, Russia and he had a very thick accent and then he was required to teach a class because he was doing some theory work on like chaos theory and string theory and they required him because he was getting so many hundreds of thousands of dollars a year from the school system right wow. and so what I mean this guy's brilliant but he couldn't teach worth crap and people <laughs> wondered why like 30 to 40 percent of the people failed out of his course 
Yeah. Because he would just sit there and go, oh, it's, really, it's so simple. You just do this, you do this, and it's high, high level math. You just do this, this, this. The whole whiteboard's fold up, filled up. Everyone's sitting there with a <laughs> dumb phone and look on their face. And then he just walks out. Yeah. I mean, yep. that's not the way to try that way. You got to be somewhat gifted at doing it, right? Yes. You also have to realize the more, the larger the groups are, you're going to have to try the to manage to something. Yeah. yeah. Because how do you teach people how, how to um, excel at what they excel at? Because what's, what's interesting to me, and some schools are yeah. being better at it, is that, um, oh, you're gifted at this. Like, let's let you accelerate at that. But sometimes you weren't allowed to be in a gifted class if like you were not pulling a certain like grade right. in another class. Right. So it's like you're penalized from participating in the thing you're gifted at because you weren't gifted at this other thing. But that's not how the world works like in the real world. Like should you, well, if you if somebody came to me <laughs> outside of school, like a college professor, and they said, Well, you know, forty percent of my students fail. They said they just don't get it. Now, if that was in the business world and somebody said, I'm a leader, and thirty to forty percent of my people flame out because they don't have what it takes and the leader is dysfunctional, you're gonna look at the leader and go like this is Well your what I problem. would say right then is right? in the business world is what is your problem? Yeah. You know, what are you doing to stop that? Because that's money for your company. That's time. Time yep. is money. If you had a, you know, at, at, you know, for the company I'm at right now, like right now, we have a 29% retention rate with new hires. Wow. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. Terrible. And, you know, their upper management's constantly asking, like, what are we doing wrong? Blah, blah, blah. We tell them. We tell them brutally what they're doing wrong. And they keep doing it. So... They don't really want to change, right? They don't want that explanation on that. When they allow us to do what we want to do, we actually have a pretty high retention rate, which is you know, like we go through the process of the training. We stick with that. Like you pair them with a person, kind of like a personal person that follows them through the journey, shows them everything to know, and then asks questions for them and checks in with them somewhat daily, maybe not every day, but at least three times a week, check in with these people. To find out, you know, what what are you struggling yeah. with? What's your personal challenges here? And I really feel that that kind of guided uh, experience is really what's needed in some of these fields, you know? It's the individualized attention. And it's also the role. Well, so I think about your example at work, Josh. I'm thinking about a teacher-student right. dynamic. The teacher doesn't know no. best in every situation. And they can't have anticipated all the questions. If somebody said, I know all your questions. <laughs> yeah. Don't even bother asking me the question. I'd be like, you know what? Just, I can't, I'm sorry. I can't deal with you right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's a, that's a reflection of a pride issue in yeah. somebody else, not your ability to learn. In management sometimes too, what happens is that people believe that because they're in management, that they their way is the Correct. best way. And I think that there are best practices, Absolutely. of course. But I teach people a lot of times with, with the coaching and advising that I do is that, is it best for this business is it best for your team because you can have standards and you can look at it but if you're not adapting it to to make it work then all you're doing is you're trying to force a model for the model's sake on people when it doesn't actually benefit you, what you're trying to do yeah and that's kind of i think what we need to we need to th focus on with this episode i think we need to talk about like why are you trying to force that square peg in a round hole why are you trying to totally reinvent the way that this person learns best or that this subject is disseminated to other people why not just adapt yourself if i was teaching 200 people and 200 people learned a different way than i taught it's a lot easier for me to change than 200 other people to change and I would hope mm -hmm. in the course of that study or whatever I'm trying to knowledge transfer over to these people, 
that I would learn something too. That I would learn yeah. that, you know, even though I know a lot about this certain subject, these people taught me a lot about it too. Because the questions they asked, like like you were saying, Brian, I don't, like, you don't always know in that one-on-one type relationship, you don't always know the questions you're going to get asked. In fact, I get asked different no. questions all the time by different people because at my, my current work, I'm one of these people that does get paired with other people. Every time, it's extremely exhausting to me, but it's also extremely rewarding, especially when they're thriving in the job, doing well, and they're learning the processes, and they're getting that done. I see a lot about myself, like, wow, that really worked, that didn't work. What can I, how can I do that different in the future? And then the next person, I totally take it mm-hmm. a different way. You know, it begs the question of, um, we have all these mechanisms now to teach people at scale. Right. And the question is, is that the best way that people learn? And it's, it's kind of goes back to the fact of like, did you meet the minimum requirement, which oftentimes the school says, or the school systems say, here's the minimum requirement. Right. But oftentimes in, in schools that have classrooms that are too full or, too overpopulated, you manage to the minimum. Succeeding in life is not managing to the minimum. It is maximizing the maximizations. Right. Especially it's in letting business. people like go in do business, those things. It's unlocking their potential, right? Yes. And, le- and encouraging people to do it. Like, let me provide a way that you can run. And Brian and I say that in our business too. Like, I think the number one thing that we're doing, and I think that we really need to push out there to everybody else, is I'm bringing you guys together. It's not, it's my idea. You guys are running with it. It's, I'm empowering you to do it. And that way, and we believe- that way our, like our business can run even when Brian and I aren't there. And that's mm-hmm. the goal. Like we can be doing something else for the business, like in the, for a future set or for another launch of another product or whatever. And our, we know our core team is working on what they need to work on. And yes. we don't have to sit there. <laughs> and totally watch them every minute. We don't have to micromanage them because they're people with vision too. And we're yes. unlocking their potential to go out and do that. Right, Brian? Mm-hmm. You need to remember as much as you uh, systems and processes will scale a business, it's still people. And you cannot sacrifice one for the other. You can't say it's only people and then it's no system, especially at a certain size. But you can never say that, you can never say, it's all systems and people are like, th- there's this the people tension don't matter. that has the to be The people held. are the most important thing in your business. Yes. If, if you have a person, they're the number one. And, and Brian and I have, have, we've subscribed to this since day one. We find the right person, the, the person that can change, can adapt, can do that. We'll put them in a role. We'll figure out what they're good at and we'll stick them there because we know they're going to do it. Mm-hmm. They're going to actually be like thriving in that and they're going to love it where do we don't want to get in their way so we just want to unlock their own potential and everyone's good at something and it might not be what you're good at (laughs) you know i know well if if you're smart about being a leader you don't hire people that are good at what you're good at you hire different people exactly (laughs) that are that's part of collaborations like i you bring this i bring this so let's pull it back to like three things or ish three things ish about uh kind of helping us put a comma in this conversation, yeah. Josh. I, I think the first one is that when you say teacher student, one is just maybe leading the learning conversation. Absolutely. To start. Yeah. They're helping set the context. Yeah, it's more of an apprenticeship, really, right? I yep. look at it like knowledge transfer. It's not a teaching. I'm not teaching anyone. I'm showing them. 
I'm mm-hmm. showing them how I do it, right? Yes, for sure. Josh, I'm going to submit number two that it's going to be that people need to understand that just because you're not good at learning something a particular way doesn't mean that you're incapable of receiving the knowledge. That's a big one. I think like people need to get over their own biases too. Like I've talked to so many people and they're gifted and I see what they're gifted at and I see how they're gifted. They tell me I'm not good at nothing. I'm like, well, you made it this far. You're good at something. Yeah. (laughs) You know, let's find that together. And -hmm. that's a journey. And I think that when you finally realize what you're good at or what your, your, your everyday is someone else's incredible, like what that is, I think that person finally is like taken aback by it because sometimes it's simple for them, but for everyone else, it's like, wow, that's incredible. Like I look at athletes and I'm like, that's incredible. Some of the stuff they do, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm like, I'll never do, I'll never be on that level, but that's their every day. And so think of it like that. Think of it like you're the athlete. You have something you're good at that is ever, somebody else is incredible and you need to leverage that. Absolutely. Third I would say this for leaders or for those who aspire to be leaders is see the potential in somebody that they don't readily see themselves. I've had the privilege of working under great leaders who have seen that in me at a young age, at whatever stage I'm in. So like, I think you have the potential for that. And so bet on people's potential. Yeah. And I want to preface this by saying you'll never have a greater adversary than your own potential. Yeah, Because when you're young, it's looming and it's big. And you're like, they're like, everyone's telling you, hey, I can do this. You can be a billionaire. You can do that and that. You know what? Focus on right now what you're going to do in the next five years. Think about that 20 years out. And if you could push that 20 years to five years, you're even better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's the kind of thing you got to think about, right? You got to think yep. about how can I do this the best? Yes. And how can I, and if you can't, do it and get the people around you that can. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's a leader. Let's put a comma here, Josh. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Until next time, this is Brian. And this is Josh. For Curiosity Continuum.